You've built a campaign from the ground up. Maybe you've even run several game sessions with your group. Your idea is great, but the Monster Manual and other Wizards of the Coast publications don't have the kind of monsters you're looking for. Maybe those monsters just don't fit in with your theme. So what's a DM to do, Bill? I think the answer is simple enough. It's your campaign part four, Homebrewing Monsters, this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Zapante, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. What's Hello, up, guys? Homebrewing Monsters? Yeah. I got out my monster cookbook. I'm scared. Oh, I love homebrewing monsters. I Not mean, as much as Bill does. I, I do too, but I don't like his cookbook. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I don't when I'm not behind the screen, but when I am, I, I love me some homebrewed monsters. I, I get phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. Bill, I need a monster. And he gives you like two or three little parameters that I got to come up with this creature. Yeah, that's when do you need it? Tomorrow. Well, I will say Bill's monsters or his or his ideas are off the chart. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I ran that one year for that week long. I forget what it was. Uh, that was It was a swamp kind of mossy thing. There was a elemental that I he helped me develop. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Almost killed Sin with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sin's got a high mortality rate in pretty much any game. <laughs> so before we get going, Andrew, this is for you. You sent us an email. When are you going to go on with uh, your campaign stuff? And I emailed him back. I said, ah, thanks for listening, but we're done. So I just imagined Andrew kind of sitting there brooding. Yeah, but he uh, does that even when he's in a good mood. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was like, oh, well, you know what? Let's, uh, let's, Let's do a couple more for Andrew. Just for you, buddy. Just for you, Andrew. You are our inspiration. Now get up out of the corner and stop muttering. To yourself. To yourself. He'll because just, he'll, just move, you. he'll just move to the living room table and yeah. mutter there, but that's okay. <laughs> Part four, homebrewing monsters. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or a beer that you're brewing and sit down and listen. A lot of work. It, I was just about to say, this is a lot of work. It's not for, I would say, the, the beginner GM. No, no, no. Not uh, usually, no. It's, you got to get you got to get some stripes on your belt first, you know, before you start doing stuff like homebrewing monsters. It's it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does cuz a lot of times you you have to figure out what the parameters are for your monster, wh- what niche do you need to fit it in? And sometimes that's not entirely clear or you got to call at 2 o'clock in the morning, "Hey, I need a creature that's in the woods and is really scary um and eats people." Here's a lion. Rawr. And 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 then he goes, make me something. So I make him something. Were you asleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh, it takes it takes a lot of work, which is why which is why I don't often do it. Uh, I come up with a concept and hand it off to Bill whenever whenever it hits me, which is unfortunate. Thank God, For he, Bill, hasn't, not, thank not, God he hasn't called me from the shower yet. Yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I don't think my phone is waterproof. That's the only reason. I got to get one of those Bluetooth uh, bathroom fans, and then 
Then no, it's on. No, no, by no means, because the last thing I need is an accidental photo. I got a pair of wireless earbuds that are waterproof. I'll give them to you. There we go. <sighs> you have to you have to know your campaign really well. Um, yeah. And you should to begin with, but you have to there's gotta be a reason for it. Yeah, you don't just drop a monster just so they have something to beat up on. Yeah. Or beat up on them. It needs to fit. There's an ecological niche that this creature lives in or exists in. There are parameters, there are circumstances that brought it into being, and you need to bring all those to the forefront and then figure out, all right, what's going to fit? Yeah, otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Well, that's just it. You don't take a shadow-based creature that is normally creeping around at night looking for the living prey to feed off their life energy and put it in the middle of a carnival in the middle of the day. It, it just doesn't work. Put a twisted clown with uh, an extra arm and a, and a couple of sharp pointy things and you're getting a little warmer. But yeah. It, it, there needs to be a reason for it to be there. There needs to be a reason for it to exist in the first place. What, what created this, this abnormality or this monstrosity or this aberration or this fiend? What created it? Now, why is it here? And what are the circumstances that brought it here? And will it survive here? Because it's just not going to pop in there. Oh, yeah, that popped up about five minutes ago. But you know, just in time for you to kill it. Yay! Um, no, it's probably been here for a while. And in most cases, is hiding, trying to figure out where it ended up. And now it needs to take care of its daily needs. It takes is, a lot of thought. It before does. Before you even put pen to paper. It does take a lot of thought. You know, the stats are one thing, but uh, the reasoning behind it, that's got to be there, too. Exactly. The ecology is what you're saying. Yeah. The exactly. ecology. Why Why can I not use something from the monster manual for this? I think you have to ask yourself that question. You know, does the monster manual have something I can use in here? And if so, how, how does it? how's it going to work for the campaign to further the story? What's the reasoning behind me taking all the time and effort and making my own monster? Right, before we actually get into making them, if the monsters in the monster manual don't fit, you can alter them, you know. That is a trick we've we've employed many, many times. So we'll move th this little, nice little segue into our next point, skin jobs, how to reskin them and whether you should or not. Now, you might find a monster that this is absolutely perfect, but it's about four times more powerful than I need. Make it less powerful. Yeah, you can scale it back. I cruise a lot of Facebook groups and I... I see a lot of I see a lot of questions, you know, can I use this for this, you know, and people are like, no, because the monster manual says this. And it's like, no, you don't need to ask those questions. Yes, that's the answer. Yes. Can I use this for Yep, you can. No matter what it is, you can use it for it. Why? Because you're the DM. You're running the show. You yeah. can do it. If it's too powerful for your group, like Bill said, scale it back. And you know what? If it's too powerful for your group, then keep it that way. There was no such thing as balanced encounters in old D&D. Oh, no. You could be level three and come across uh, a, a dragon. And if if you were like, well, my level three party is going to go after that dragon's horde, and you all got eaten, combusted, dissolved with acid, PPK. frozen in ice. Yeah. Um, stomped upon. <laughs> yeah, that was that was due to poor judgment. So balanced encounters, I never liked balanced encounters. That's that's the equivalent of getting a participation ribbon just for showing up, even if you suck. Yeah, yeah. It's 
it, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be that way. You can you can certainly use it, whatever it is, to whatever desires you want because it's your game. You right. can do it. Because sometimes those really, really big, powerful monsters are not designed to be encountered. They're designed to be circumnavigated because that's where the the story is really going. Yeah, to do push we, you towards the story. Do we actually encounter the dragon or do we find another way out of this place because our the way in is blocked? There's a dragon between us and who knows what. Now you start searching for your secret doors the whole time trying not to let the dragon know you're there. Yeah, and it's a... A good opportunity, I've used this a bunch of times, and other DMs I played with in the early days have have used this too, but it's like as the campaign goes on, your opportunity to go visit that dragon could come back around. You already know where it is. Well, it's not only that. Is a monster really a monster? Or is it a monster because it looks different from what we think about every day? So not every monster is going to be a monster, I'm going to say. Right. When we were when we were building our homebrew world, Bill and I talked a lot about that and switching up some of those monsters. You know, so orcs are a player race. They're an entire civilization unto themselves that is not a wicked or inherently evil group of people. Now, don't get me wrong. I am all about some creatures just being plain evil. It's a fantasy setting, and it works just fine. Yeah, um, you're not going to find a cute and cuddly beholder. No, right. Well, no, but... Or a misunderstood one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, an example, I, on my Wednesday game that I have been I ran for the last couple of weeks, there's an elithid, and everybody thinks elithid isn't a monster, or is a monster, I should say. But this elithid, was it from a different mindset? And did he attack you guys, Bill? He did not. Did he assist you guys? He did. So, see, a monster is not always a monster, is what I'm trying to say, but the appearance is what... I think gets the people to say, hey, that's a monster. Either we kill it or we go around it. When sometimes you don't have to. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think it's human nature to, you know, uh, kind of collect with people who look the same as you. That's my and, point. Yeah. Um, and so think think out of the box. Yeah. Monsters aren't necessarily So in monsters. other words, yeah, they don't need to always be attacked, like you were saying. Right. You know, just because there's that dragon out there. And if you do want to use a dragon, use a baby wormling. Yep. It's still a dragon. It's still very deadly. Yeah. Just I, more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. There there was far less murder hoboing back in the <laughs> 80s uh, because um, there was it. no balanced encounters. You yeah. know, you could get you could get your ass handed to you. Quickly. You yeah. know that. You got you died in the bar one time. I, I died in the bar at level one, one punch to the jaw, and my, my magic user was dead. And back to the dice bag I went. <laughs> So yeah, reskinning monsters is is not a bad idea, but especially if you're not all that practiced at building your own. I was gonna say reskinning is probably not as easy as it sounds either. It is not. Uh, you need to scale it back. You need to scale it because just moving its hit points is not going to be enough. Because there's still those abilities. Yeah, it's easier to knock it down, but if everyone keeps missing because their dice are horrible, and it's still lobbing out just as an effective you know, spells or attacks, you're still going to kill your players yeah. and or your party because it's just as monstrous as it, it started. So you need to rein in the abilities, the area of effects, how many dice that the uh, attacks do. It's AC, it's hit points. If it maybe, has any legendary abilities or right. just it, uh, it, anything. Maybe it's a monster that hasn't 
fully grown. Maybe it's a monster that hasn't figured out how to use its abilities. Maybe it hasn't needed to use abilities and doesn't even realize it has them. There's a lot of different premises you can use to scale back your monsters. Yeah. Or you could just change the name of the monster and the appearance. You know, and that's that's probably the the skin job in the most purest of sense. You know, it's almost like I'm learning how to draw, so I'm going to I'm gonna lose shaking his head. I don't know. Does that mean something different? It means nothing. Let's, let's, <laughs> if, watch the way you say skin job. First, if it means something different than what I'm referring to, <laughs> then I apologize. I don't I don't know what kind of websites Lou's looking at. This is your <laughs> laptop. I'm it's, just, it's all you. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was gonna because he was like shaking his head, and and he had his thumb in his in his in his forefinger on his forehead. Like, oh, how am I gonna edit this out? Um, Use the phrase reskin, reskin instead of skin job. Yeah, please. Yes, please. Skin job, something different on the internet. So don't use skin job. Use reskin. No yeah. more skin jobs, guys. Yeah, yeah thank All you. Right. And no more skin jobs from Scott. Yeah. So you can. <laughs> it's it's like. Um, I'm learning how to draw, so I'm going to trace. That's almost what reskinning is like. Exactly. Um, oh my! <laughs> boy, oh boy! The stuff you learn. Yeah, huh? I tell you, it's important to learn something new every day. You know, you know what we need? We need like a 22 year old editor to review these. Someone who's savvy <laughs> with you know the new internet language that's going on out there. Do you know what I found out? An eggplant means if you send it in a text message. Not that you're not that you're looking to. Uh, grow eggplants in your garden, or I'm shopping for <laughs> eggplant. It means something. So I don't know what you kids are thinking. Well, just like I found, just recently found out what an upside down upside down pineapple stands for. What's that? I'm not gonna tell you guys on the air. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe I will. It's not that bad. I found out that's the like the, uh, and I'm only going by what a couple people told me that that's an international sim- symbol for swingers. Oh, <laughs> oh my! All right, well. <clears throat> Um, yeah, we let's go back on track here. We're way off. <laughs> pineapple. My God. Well, the pineapple um, is the accepted symbol for welcoming people to your home. Well, good heavens. Keep your pineapple upright, folks. You don't want some visitors to come knocking at your door with the wrong impression. I'm going to go. I'm going to run to Scott's house and put a pineapple upside down on his front door. <laughs> <laughs> I have all sorts of people knocking on the door. Hey, we're here for the party. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we move on. Yep. So that's, uh, boy, you find out something new every day, huh? Always learning. Always. Even, even at our age. Just do it by 9 o'clock in the morning so you'll be ignorant and happy the rest of the day. So now that we've reskinned yeah. um, some of our monsters, let's let's understand the system that we're working with, shall we? Yeah, you know, you really shouldn't even look at reskinning if you don't know the system well. Because you, you you may you may botch it. You really got to know how the how combat works, and that's I think why it's something for maybe a more seasoned GM to work with. Agreed. I mean, I could see you rattle stuff off, you know, in fifteen twenty minutes, you know, and and voila, there's there's a monster. But you've been doing it for it's a really long time before <laughs> pineapples were <laughs> something other than a pineapple, and eggplants were just eggplants. So it's he's been doing this for a while, but for a brand new DM, it it's leave it be until you really really know your stuff, and it's beyond reading the book, right? It's actually oh, yeah. practicing what's in the book, right? Theory is one thing, practice is another. Correct. You, know, you need that union between the two. So understanding the system's huge. 
Well, I mean, now with fifth edition, you're talking about CR ratings, yeah, as opposed to ZCs, and you need, you know, that that's huge. And hit dice, right? I yeah, mean, it's, that, there's that, this the terminology and the way you build your monsters is completely different now. Totally different. Yeah. So very, you have to under, it, grab the the game master's you know guide and go through it. The Dungeon master's guide tells you how to make monsters in it. The monsters manual tells you how to make monsters. Read through it. Get a basic understanding of how they built the ones that are already in the book by referencing that, and then you'll have an easier time. Don't just look and go, oh, yeah, I can do this. You're not going to do it well. Take a look at something simple like a goblin out of the, the monster manual and then go through every one, of the, every one of the lines on there and say, okay, what are his immunities and his resistances and his CR and why are the experience level set at this and dissect that one simple little creature using the the dungeon master's guide and the monster's manual where they explain everything and then when you understand the system and how that that creature was built you'll much more easily be able to build your own one of the good ways to start too is like taking your goblin and looking at what he can do and then modifying it a little bit you know so you have some unique unique goblins that's the early stages kind of like the training wheels of 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 home brewing right home brewing a monster you know it's one of the curses to playing the game so long is that the terminology is always changing it's it's one of those things if if one of one of you brand new players and bill was just saying this earlier that any anybody who's been playing for 10 years or under is a new player um <laughs> i did say that but it's it, listening to us talk about stuff, it's like listening to a bunch of people that aren't native speakers, you know, trying to pick up a language because we're, you know, we're so used to the second edition language that it it, it bleeds into our fifth edition languages with like hit dice. And then occasionally someone's calling, you know, a challenge rating, a, a DC. And it's, we all know what we're saying, but to someone who's been playing far less than we have there. I imagine they'd be scratching their heads and going, these, these old fools have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard such ridiculous. What the hell's a Thacko? I, t- um, I think DM Bill's having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you're right. Um, you need to, once you understand how they, they're built, it's much easier to go. And like you mentioned, our goblin, give them some unique abilities. We've said this a bunch of times. Not every fighter is exactly the same. So why should every goblin be exactly the same? You got some goblins that are just horrible at fighting and that will reflect very easily in its armor class, the damage it does because it just doesn't have the strength based on it. So there's no strength bonuses there. You're also going to have some goblins that are really good at it, a little bigger, a little stronger, can swing harder. So you can scale ever so slightly the, the creatures that are in there up or down to help try to kind of wedge them into what you need before you try to try to build something you're, you know, on your own. So I, understanding the system and make things a whole lot easier to do that before you start building. So what's the purpose of a monster? Yeah, you have to ask yourself that question. Is the purpose of the monster that I'm designing to be the big bad or to give a different opponent to the party, something maybe a little more or challenging or something unexpected is the purpose of the monster to be a deterrent is the purpose of the monster to be like a quest giver or type of NPC. I mean, there's all these questions you have to ask before you really get to designing the creature. 
well, is the monster going to, it, how is it going to further the story? Most important. That's probably, the most important yeah. thing. Is it, how is it going to, not if, if it's, if it doesn't further the story, it probably shouldn't be in there. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, it should further the story. Now there are occasions we've thrown nonsensical stuff in there for encounters and monsters could be part of that where it'd be a random encounter. They're out doing their, their thing and you will sometimes randomly run into something, but Generally speaking, try to make it so it helps further the story. Does this monster have something that will lead you to what you're going to? Does it have a clue? Is it the clue? Is it one of the clues? Is it there to speed up your your progress in the story? Is it there to re-divert you, to hinder you from getting to your, your, your goal? Whether it's been sent by somebody or not. It, it just might be something that's there that you ran into and the bad guy knows it's there. doesn't mean he's controlling it. It doesn't mean that the big bad has any influence on this creature whatsoever. But it knows because where it is, you need to go through it. And that's just one more deterrent that it doesn't have to worry about. So what's the purpose of the monster? And we said this in the beginning. Just don't throw something there just for the sake of having it in there. Now that you've, yeah, you kind of got the purpose, right? Um, describe it. I, what does it look like? That's the hard part, I think. That that is because, and I think that has to come before any any of the other stuff. What does it look like? Because once you get an idea for what it looks like, then you can work on what the mechanics are. You know, is it is it covered in spines? Are, are, but why would it be? What do the spines do? Does it have big claws? Okay, what do the claws do? Why does it have claws? You know, why does it have hooves? There's got to be more reason than. I want something that's going to rip and tear and rend. You know, what is the purpose of all the, 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 the look of the monster, the size of its mouth, the uh, ears, you know, all of that yeah, stuff. All that has to take into its surroundings, too, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't have a, something with webbed feet in the middle of a desert. Right. Or, you know, something with no fur uh, on a snowy mountain. Yeah. It, it's just why is it, why is it looking the way it does? You know, what is all of these different um, physical characteristics of the creature? How do they come into play with the mechanics of the animal? Now, see, that, that goes right on to where my mind's eye will search with the little information that you sometimes have given me. But I know where you're building. You know, we've discussed, you know, we're in this area. This is, you know, the hamlet or this is the area. It's rocky. We've already discussed at one point or another the ecology of the area. So I know... I have something there to build upon. Uh, I know where the story is going. So I have a few benchmarks I can work off of. And then I started thinking, okay, what's going to give the effect that I'm, that I desire? Do I want to push them in a direction? Do I want to slow them? Do I want to try to stop them? Is this a, a creature that's going to have animal intelligence or base intelligence, or is it actually going to be intelligent, sentient? These are the things that go through my head when I start visualizing. Now, for me, they, it, it's a very quick process for me. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just because I'm flipping twisted. But it, this is normally, I get the, in my mind's eye, I get the vision first. And it's like, okay, now what can I do? With it? How does it move? How does it, does it speak? How does it speak? What languages does it speak? All this is all coming off of the image that is settled in my head. So if you can get the description and like you said, you know, are there spines? Why are there spines? Why are there claws? Does it really need claws? Does it have uh, dactyl 
digits where you know only three fingers? Does it have humanoid style hands? Does it have no hands at all? Does it have just a pseudopod that changes form? Does it fly? Does it not fly? Why? So you get all this in your head based on everything we've talked up to this point, and then you start building the mechanics. You know, it's it, it's it's funny that you mentioned the you know the ecology, you know you know where it's you know the geographical location of where the campaign is taking place. So when I give you like a, a, a like a three sentence concept, it's like okay, it's easy for you to put something together. And I was just uh, I was just thinking today because we're we're working on a project, but the project is you know it's it's a big campaign like we usually do every february but for the first time in like 12 years i'm working on it all by myself which is weird because yeah, i'm a player this time around yeah you know and you and don't I, want to tip your hat right and i don't want to go into detail about what this is all about but you'll hear about it later i'm sure but it's um it's a weird thing like it's like okay there you know there's been a dm partnership Yes, for a dozen years. A dozen years, and it's another divorce. And it's a- <laughs> no, it's not. It's just out of necessity. I have to do it alone. Then why are you crying? The- <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. He's afraid I'm going to take his pink dice. So Lou, Lou, uh, and their raspberry. Lou only only speaks. It seems when he's going to be torturous to me. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Because I think I've said this before, the devil you know is better than the, than the devil you don't. And I said uh, you're right. And you, <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was just thinking about that earlier today before before we came over to to it's do like, the. Oh um, crap! I can't just make a call at two in the morning and have monsters yeah, appear. It's, uh, well, <laughs> I can help you. Shit, you can't help uh, me the, either. <laughs> um, I would never. This is probably the the one thing that I would have the hardest time doing. I can probably. Keep, and I have come up with a couple of campaigns, but homebrewing monsters, like I said, the last one that I did with I ran when I ran that week long, actually Bill helped me with that. I have a hard time. This is very to me very hard. I would rather build a campaign. And for and this is why there's a monster manual. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, with with an awful lot of monsters. And, there, and it's just not the monster manual. I mean, you could watch like the Avatar and get some creatures out of the Avatar. You yeah. can get inspiration from anywhere. Um, but if you want stats, yes, there's the monster manual. You could go to the DMs Guild and get you know some newer monster manuals or yeah. expanded. Yep. D&D Beyond. D&D has. Beyond, everywhere. So You know what I like to do is I like to go back into old editions. And, yes. and I got to tell you guys who are new players, just because it's an older edition does not mean that it's off the table. No. Right? It's an easy conversion to 5e. It doesn't have to be 100% exact because nobody's grading you, but... Go to the old monstrous manual. Yep, I have. Yep. I have and, for, like, volumes one through four. I think yeah. still. There's. Yep, Bill does too. There's probably <laughs> two or three feet worth of information in those. If you lay yeah. all the binders on top of each other, and that's what it was back then. Yeah, binders. Binders. It's a lot of stuff. So go back. That's that's why we do the Grognards Observatory to give you guys some extra monsters that popped up in. Dragon Magazine. Dragon Magazine, some of the older Monster Manual publications, all that old stuff from first, second, third, eh, even fourth <laughs> edition. It's it's all it's all there and available for you, so use it. It's you all know, relative. It is. It is. Just convert it. Yeah. It's easy. Well, not always well, easy. But that'll be another episode. Yeah, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> 
All right, so we've we've described it. We've built most of the mechanics for it. So what's next? Well, you want to play test it. You want to throw it out there, right? Why? Uh, I just want to use it. Yeah, I know. You want to make sure it works, you know, and then you 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 tweak and you modify a little bit. It's a lot of work. Uh, it is. Being a DM is You keep not, saying that. Yeah. Which is why he makes us do all the work. That's right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. I don't want to do it. You guys do it. I want to sit back and, and have my adult beverages and eat cupcakes and enjoy myself. Can't ask for anything better. Well, I mean, I could, but this is good enough. That's all I'm going to get it's from you guys. This is as good as you're going to get. That's right. Yeah, you go, you're going to want to play test this. Doing it in your head is great, but that's you need to you need to throw this thing into the pan and yeah. let it cook a little bit and, and and let everyone you know reach in there. When your players get a hold of it, they're gonna they're gonna show the weaknesses like so quick too. I I built a monster and it was what Lou. And Jared and oh, yes. Corrick. And I was like, this monster is going to like give them a hell of a fight. It's going to be good. It's going to be challenging. And Matt, too. Matt was there. Yep. And I think they won. I think you guys won initiative. We did. And in the first round, they annihilated it. <laughs> annihilated well, I think, it. I think like three of us got crits right off the top. Crit, 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 crit. So that's why. This sort of thing is good. That monster will come back. Hopefully, it'll last two rounds this time. But your players will expose weaknesses in a uh, in an epic fashion. And they they were cheering, and I remember Jared <laughs> laughing, and I was sitting behind my DM screen, hating every one of them. <laughs> Scott, you had to take a break if I remember correctly. <laughs> Being so upset at my he friends. he comes storming in the other room and he goes, one round. Done. One round. Done. You're building all the monsters from now on. I found a fig and everything. I found a big fig for it. It looked like something out of like Sinbad's Golden Adventure, you know, some Ray Harryhausen shit. And I was like, man, this is going to be such a good time. And Tad insult to injury, the fucking thing fell off its base too. And it was just laying there on the table. I was like, damn it. So play test. How prophetic. Yeah, play, play test it, build it up, tear it down, rework it. And, I mean, the more you do it, the less you're going to have to worry about play testing. Well, I mean, if you know what level your group is, you can use D&D Beyond and their encounter uh, cre- um, creator, and you can use that to help you play test if you're going to run it yourself. Yeah. That's why you can roll initiative for all the characters, you know, give them whatever characters are at the table, just create them on D&D Beyond, put them up there in your encounter builder, and just run the encounter. And this way you'll be able to see what can and can happen if you don't want your whole group to see. It's an easy way to play test without having other people play test it for you if you want it to be a surprise. Right. Well, at least at least give it the, the, the rough draft to shake out. And that, that it's a good idea. But like I said, the more often you do it, the, the easier it's going to become, the more practiced you become at balancing it. I don't think I play tested any of the monsters that I've thrown at you guys as of late. Just because I know they're going to work. Right. Uh, because I know the players. I know, for the most part, what who's going to do what. Keep that in consideration. I know what has succeeded in the past, so it makes it a little easier to build around that kind of success. So the more often you do it, the easier it's going to become, which is why I can whip up a monster in like 15 minutes sometimes. And Scott and can't. Scott has to work a little bit more. Sorry. <laughs> you can see the smug look on Lou's face right now. No, Scott is not as efficient with monster making as Bill is. We each have our strengths. Yes, we do. That's right. I'm still more efficient than Lou. 
Uh, excuse me? <laughs> Knowing your players, too, is really important. You know, that's a big, yeah, uh, a big help in, in, well, in if, pretty if much you, everything. If you've got a group you play with on a regular yeah. basis. Because you know who's going to do what before they even do it. Yeah. If it's a pickup group or a first-time group, that'll be hard. That's a little more difficult. But that's when you, that's when you need to scale your monsters on the fly. If you get if you're practiced at that, then you can make it work as well. Like I I knew when I was building the encounter at the Centaur camp that all I had to do was have an archery contest and Sin's archer would not be able to resist <laughs> and would hand over her bow and it would make it really easy to eliminate at least one potential threat from the party. <laughs> Um, As that bow ends up getting hucked into a river, I, I recall. Oh no! no, no. That, oh, that, that, that was uh, that was a different adventure where he oh. sins uh, sins female character took her shirt off and jumped into the river to swim upstream towards the uh, city that we were riding towards <laughs> on horses because swimming up rivers always easier than yeah. riding on a road. Yep. But channeling her inner salmon. <laughs> yeah, but I, I know to expect a tomfoolery being afoot when Sin is there. And yes, so I knew he could not resist handing over his bow if someone made an inquiry. That's a nice bow. Am I you see it? I remember that. And yeah. And uh, then then Lou's character proceeded to set the entire planes on fire so they could make a speedy escape. Bravo, Lou. We got away. Yep. There's a reoccurring theme with Lou, all his characters, and fire. Not all of them. Uh, that was just two characters. Uh, it was the burning of an ancient forest. That was the cries of the burning ant children. The, that was one character. The uh, burning of the plains. That was the second character. The uh, burning of the stable owned by the elderly woman. That was oh, that was that the same character. Put two fingers up for that that other character. Yeah. So, uh, Wait, what about the burning of the uh, the uh, the lodge they were staying in. Yeah, yeah. the tavern. Yes. The tavern. That yeah, was the same character. That was the same. They put another. Okay. That was three. And, well, you get the idea, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah and, and I didn't start that one. You got to remember. No, I, I was in my skivvies fighting. Yeah. Lou didn't start the fire. <laughs> Let's move on, please. But the tavern's burning, and so are the planes. <laughs> I, I imagined uh, Lou's dwarf looked the same as Lou in his underpants. <laughs> There's some things about the theater of the mind that are a curse. <laughs> I know they are. Uh, so how long would it take you guys to build a monster if, if, if I put you on the spot? Why are you grinning? At, you know, he's he's going to put us on the spot. Yes. It's, wait, it's time for Bill's conclusion. Oh, well, before that conclusion, let's see, let's see you build a monster. You want a, like a concept for a monster? Go ahead. Hit us up with one. Um, what environment is the monster living in? The Arctic. The Arctic. All right. So the monster is living in the, the Arctic. So it's probably going to eat uh, fish or the people that live in the Arctic. So it'll probably be a carnivore. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot of vegetation. Right. In the no herbivores. So carnivore, it's going to have hair. Probably be, I, I see it being a little on the chubby side, right? You're going to want a thick layer of fat to keep you warm. I'm talking about any portly yetis. My mind's going a different way. That's my <laughs> internet handle, by the way. Portly Yeti. Uh, <laughs> People are going to look it up. I mean, they're going to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Which direction are you going in? Um, 
I was thinking of uh, an exile, uh, something that's attuned to the uh, plane of fire or magma and is stuck there because it can't get out. Okay, that's intriguing. So when you go through the Arctic, you find this small little, in a crevasse, a small little oasis that does have a little bit of vegetation and does have a small amount of, you know, maybe some fox and some rabbit, a few, you know, some avians that, that'll winter there. So your, your uh, exiled magma guy is the reason why my chubby mammals are not being able to float around on ice flows, right? <laughs> it's because he's melting the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> He's our glacier eater. But it, uh, I kind of like it. It's like a reverse desert oasis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, it, well, what's fascinating is is that, you know, any travelers in the Arctic are going to be like, oh, look at that. That's better than freezing. building like an ice tunnel or freezing. Uh-huh. So you put something like that in there. Uh, it will take the form of just a rock formation. Everywhere is going to be warm because it's constantly traveling from point A to point B. But if it just nestles itself into a, a crook and they're like, oh, wow, here's this one warm spot. Let's let's camp around this spot. Yeah. and uh, Because we, you know, if you hold your food close enough and it actually cooks, isn't that a great thing? And then I'll, I'll come to the watches at night. So how, how, um, how big is this thing? I'd make it, well, for such a small area, I'd probably make it a little smaller than man size. Yeah, you get that island dwarfism type of theme going, you know. Well, it it is an exile probably because it it couldn't, you know, burn as bright as all the big boys. It's stuck here. It can't travel from here because there's just, there's no way it'll survive in the cold. So it's made this little niche here of, you know, for itself, but it wouldn't be large enough to be hugely menacing to the environment just this small little area. So I would probably make it a little bit, you know, maybe four and a half, five feet tall. Humanoid in shape or just like a glowing, flaming orb of swirling, like magma? I think I might go, well, I've done, I well, I created their our elemental mimics. And what you described is one of them I created. So I don't think I'd go that direction because I already have built that. But I would make something maybe... Uh, quadrupedal just to make it a little different because it has to scale up walls. It has to chase things and bipedal is not a very good means of locomotion. If when everything you're chasing is quadruped, that's the way you chase down the, the, the fox and the rabbit and the small creatures that are in here. You're not going to be able to leap very high if you only have two legs, but if you have four, you can leap very. So you have a chance of catching any of the, you know, the avian creatures that have, have nestled here. So what if what if it had six legs? You could do that just as easily. Go all avatar on it. Yeah, I would see its footprints as, um, you know, there's there would be, you know, maybe it would scorch the earth, but then uh, plants would start to grow in these little footprints. Mm-hmm. So there'd be patches of plant life or, you know, flowers, small uh, berry bushes or whatever have you coming up in this Arctic oasis. I would drive our trackers nuts because just like, a lot of your larger creatures, the rear feet always seem to land in the foot that would preceded it. So it would leave a, a trail that looks very similar to a bipedal. Yeah. So they're looking for a bipedal, but all just round pads that set right inside the, the foot that was in front of it. That would make it very interesting for your trackers thinking, wow, it looks like a humanoid's walking around here and, or it, for whatever reason is, is using a stagger pattern to, Plant his garden? Yeah, I could see that being an interesting little 
way to just kind of mess up your your rangers and your trackers a little bit when they're trying to figure when they finally realize there's something here and there's a pattern here in these trails. Yeah, uh, yeah, six legs, four legs, definitely not bipedal. What about intelligence? Animal-like intelligence or little, sentience? Little, little better than that. Well, you can go either way. A lot of most of your elementals are, well, a lot of your elementals are sentient. I think I would. I don't think I would go full bore on that. I would probably get it a little less than normal. Your your average for humans is you know ten to twelve. Your animal intelligence is three, four, five. I'd put it somewhere maybe in the seven eight range, where it'd be very childlike. Uh, in mentality, yeah. So it would be able to plan, it'd be able to scheme, but they're just not really good plans sometimes. And with a little bit of thought, you it could be very easily seen through. Which would make it interesting in that you would have the opportunity uh, to role play out scenarios with your your players. So your players, unless they happen to be murder hobos, would have the opportunity to maybe do something other than attack it. Maybe yes. it would have the opportunity to do something other than attacking them. Well, it, it is one, and you are many that are much larger than it. It's been feeding on small game and prey here and there when it's not you know, eating the, the minerals in the, in the stone, provided it can get underneath the permafrost. Yeah, it would be uh, a really cool hook to kind of befriend this creature, you know, feed it. So the creature kind of, oh, I'll go along with you guys. And then once uh, once someone's wounded, now it's like, oh, well, I'll eat them in his sleep. Yeah, it, it's it's broken. Yeah. Well, it's broken. It's when, not be whenever there's anymore. injured animals here, I eat them. Yeah. It's, so it's injured, so I must eat them too. And yeah, that scheme kind of thing. It's constantly scheming on you. Yeah. So the attacks, I would imagine, it, well, there'd be some sort of flaming attack. Or heat attack. True. Bludgeoning attack. Yeah. Maybe you can't get too close to the monster because of the heat it emits, you know, so you can't really get in if you don't have like a pole arm or, you know, a missile a, weapon. A, yeah, missile weapon, a, you know, a great axe, a great sword, that sort Obviously, of thing. Obviously cold spells would would he'd have a a, a certain amount of um, disadvantage when dealing with cold attacks. And maybe one big attack related to heat you know maybe not something as big as a fireball but maybe something almost like melf's minute it's exactly what i was going to say you know just call it eruption yeah and all these small little spheres go off in all directions for a 20 foot you know radius scorching with small damage but anything flammable would would certainly catch unless you did you know made an effort to Ex, you know, extinguish the flames, uh, kind of like almost like a napalm attack where it, it sticks to everything. And I could see that being held back for a situation where your party has been in a particularly grueling fight. So everybody's kind of wounded mm-hmm. and they're a little worse for wear. And this creature sees that and it's like, oh, now this is my opportunity to erupt. You know, maybe take a few out, soften a few others, and there's my there's my next my next meal. You know, and maybe maybe this is the way I can get back home. Is you know, I can I can prove myself. I could call upon the people that exiled me and show them this dead party and this dead 
you know, this other group of individuals or this other big bad monster that is dead too and go, see, I have, I have worth, I have value now. I'm, you know, bring me back home. It might be enough just for, for it to need that large of a fuel source to become larger enough where it, it is now powerful enough where it can leave this little oasis or possibly find its way back home. A lot of your elementals can gate. So maybe just it isn't powerful enough to do that, but consuming an entire party and all their stuff, that might be enough. I have a name. Oh, by all means. It's the Louisian Flame Beast. <laughs> a Louisian. I like that. We'll call it the Louisian. And that's Homebrewing a Monster. We'll see you next time in the dojo. Mm-hmm.